On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Caitlin Logan. Uh, she's got several albums out. One of her recent uh, Sleeping Giants, a lot of great cuts I've been listening to. So I want to talk about the making of that and hopefully some tales of where she grew up in Waterville, Washington. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I think that's so cool you were born in Waterville because I'm in Washington State and I've driven through there very a uh, few times and it's a very charming town. Um, do, do you miss it there? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, this sort of a, an idyllic childhood, you know, riding your bike at 11 o'clock at night and, you know, not having a, any worries. It's a small town, um, very small town, one stoplight. <laughs> um, and and pretty spread out, um, you know. A lot of people are um, wheat farmers, and so the town itself is is very small. Oh, nice. Okay, I remember uh, one time I went through there. You had a really neat little independent uh, thrift store in town. Did, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's always fun to go through a little town and find all the gems, you know, and all the the special stuff. But uh, where do you live now? Are you still in Washington State? I am still in Washington State. Yeah, I actually live in Kingston, Washington now, which is just across the water from Edmonds. Um, oh, which ab- is about absolutely. Minutes north of Seattle. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know it well. Are Are you near the Point Casino? Uh, I'm not sure actually. Um, I'm about a mile <laughs> off of the ferry terminal um, in Kingston. Okay. No, that's really cool. I live in Port Orchard, so I'm on this side of the water, oh, okay. too, in Washington State. So always cool when another, not only another Washington person I get to talk to, but someone on this side of the water. Right. Yeah, I actually feel like I don't come across too many people. <laughs> well, hey, uh, so do you uh, get a chance to perform? Uh, I've talked to so many people that kind of all their touring got shut down gr- during COVID, are you kind of creeping back out there and getting some live gigs again? Uh, you know, actually, I have not. Um, I did have some, some bigger shows that were canceled um, a couple of years ago, which is crazy to think about now. Um, I can't believe it's been that much time. But, um, no, I haven't actually. Um, I, I have an immunocompromised little girl, and so it's been, mm-hmm. you know, a bit slower for me than it might be for some other artists who are starting to venture back out. Mm-hmm. Well, you do have a, a great online presence. You know, I've been on your website and listening to your Spotify, and especially um, your last couple albums. You know, there was a Sleeping Giants we mentioned. You have a great one, Northern Sky. And I was just trying to kind of figure out what your genre is or your style. I know you, you mentioned, you know, Americana. You know, it seems like you have a very, um, you know, folk background. How would you describe your style? Uh, you know, actually, I have struggled um, in the past to, to sort of define what it is. I think um, it changes a little bit based on who I'm working with and um, and sort of my taste at the time. Um, there's a little bit of variation, you know, sometimes tinges of country, sometimes pop, sometimes Americana, sometimes folk. Um, so, yeah, I, I always just sort of went to Americana as sort of a the mixed bag of you know, a little little bit of each of those things. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it's a bit tough to, to categorize. 
Well, it's a good genre to be in now. I mean, just the whole emergence of Americana in the past 10 years. And I think a lot of people embracing a lot of just this classic American sound that's a little bit country, some folk, some blues. It just seems like people are, are enjoying acoustic music a lot more. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I love it. It's, uh, I both love it by choice and also, you know, my voice is, it sort of lends itself to that kind of uh, sound. And so that's just the direction I ended up going, mm-hmm. which is convenient. <laughs> yeah. And now how does your songwriting, you know, work into this? You know, how long have you been writing music for? Um, I picked up the guitar for the first time uh, when I was 14. Um, and then I got really serious about it up to the age of 15, like really, I mean, playing every day obsessively. I mean, I have ADHD, and so I would be like hyper-focused uh, on playing guitar and um, really, really learned a lot in those early years and like had a couple of high school bands and um, friends who taught me basic chords and, and uh, you know, I would sit and try to figure out my favorite songs and, and try to work through chord books, not knowing anything at all. Um, and yeah, I mean, I started, I would have started around then 15, 16, writing my own songs. And uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm dating myself here, but would record on a little um, portable radio with a cassette, <laughs> cassette tape. Um, oh, nice. Was that so, like yeah, a four track? Writing songs then. What's that? Uh, was it like one of those four track tape machines? No, it was just a regular radio, and I would just record over stuff that I already had. Um, so I was, so was, I mean, it was very, very bootleg. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's young to start out. Can you remember the name of the first song you ever wrote? Um, you know, at that at that point, I wasn't writing complete songs. I was just. Um, coming up with these little riffs that I liked and maybe like a minute of a song and then I'd move on. And, um, you know, I was just trying to teach myself a, a bunch of stuff and, um, wasn't really complete songs at that point. Probably not until I was maybe like 16, 17, um, when I started playing with, um, my first high school band. And then, um, and even then it was mostly cover songs that we did. Mm-hmm. Well, back then, who would you say your main influences were? Uh, then I was listening to a lot of uh, country music. I loved Garth Brooks and Reba McIntyre and Trisha Yearwood, um, Brooks and Dunn, like all those popular 90s um, mainstream country artists. And um, and I always, always loved Dolly Parton more than anyone else. Um, and I still do. I still uh, would consider her a musical hero of sorts. Well, one thing about Dolly is she is such a prolific songwriter. Yes, absolutely, yeah. She's, um, and she's, you know, she puts forth an image that, you know, is so wholesome and uh, and everybody loves her. You know, uh, you mentioned like the 90s. It seems like the 90s was such an era of, you know, the female singer-songwriter. You think of Sarah McLaughlin, Lilith Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Were you were you aware of all that back when you were a teenager? Uh, you know, I wasn't really. Other than country music, wasn't really tapped into anything mainstream because I, I grew up 
uh, in a religious household, and so I was mostly listening to like Christian artists, and I didn't, you know, listen to a lot of mainstream people closely until much later. So a lot of Amy Grant. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> my mom loved her, and so we had all of her '80s and '90s albums. Because, boy, she really did cross over in the early 90s in a big way. Yeah, she did. Yeah, I, I definitely some nostalgia there for me. Still some songs of hers that I like. Well, I know that's tough for some people. Um, I, I've, you know, talked to people who did, you know, grow up in the church or singing Christian music. And there's always that, you know, point where it's like, oh, you know, should I do secular music or, right. you know, oh, <laughs> right. you know can, do I dare sing outside the church? And um, for some people, it's no problem. You know, they just kind of, you know, segue and just, you know, sing songs they like. But was that hard for you? Did you come to that point of thinking, oh, I have to make a decision here? Yeah, actually, um, I did come to that crossroads. It was actually much later. I was maybe 25, 26 years old, and it was. Uh, right before I made my first album, actually, Love You Still. It was an EP. It was just uh, four or five songs. Um, and, yeah, that was my sort of, I'm not doing church music. I'm going to do whatever music I want to. And uh, I actually moved to Seattle at that point because I had been going to school in Pullman, Washington, Washington State oh. University. And um, I left there and left the church that I was in at the time and made my first EP and moved to Seattle. And that was 2011. Oh, my goodness. So you were a cougar. I was, yeah. <laughs> now, did you take uh, music in school? Um, I had, uh, I, I took choir one semester, but no, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't ever have like uh, formal classes. Um, I had tried taking guitar lessons for a short period of time when I was in my early twenties, but um, but no, I didn't really have any of that background so you're mostly self-taught right which has its benefits and its drawbacks <laughs> <laughs> so when you gig with other people i mean i know a lot of you know musicians who don't have formal training but it's like it's one thing to like write your own song and do your own arrangements but suddenly when you're playing with you know other musicians some of them are like oh let's you know let's play this in the key of g or you know they're rattling all this stuff out sure. and, and you're thinking, what? I just know how to play what I yeah. know how to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, over the years, you know, I did slowly figure out that sort of thing, but um, the really great thing was that um, I, I ended up playing with just immensely talented people who absolutely knew the technical ins and outs of everything. And so, um, you know, I would lean heavily on their knowledge for, shows and um you know i'd say i'd like i like how this sounds you know and they would know what key that was in and what chords and and uh we just sort of all had these discussions as a band during rehearsals and stuff um and so i leaned heavily on other people and their knowledge of music because um, i didn't yeah i just sort of struggled with that sort of thing i, I went by what i liked to hear rather than what i knew technically should mm -hmm. come next well, coming from a small town like Waterville and even, you know, college, you know, Pullman's still still fairly small compared to Seattle. What what sure. were your anticipations when, when you were coming to Seattle? You know, it has such a, 
a musical legacy, not just the grunge rock era, but a lot of other, you know, really famous musicians came from there. When you came to Seattle, right. was that, did you have an eye on just the, the music legacy there? Yeah, definitely. That was, um, I wanted to make something of myself uh, with music. I actually didn't know anybody at all in Seattle except for my roommate, who, or the woman who ended up being my roommate. And um, so I was just like starting from the ground and uh, and I, I hit it running. I mean, I went to a, the songwriters in Seattle meeting like the very first night that I moved to Seattle um, and just went from there and I played everything that I could uh, every cafe I mean every everything I was I was going to be there and um, was playing three four or five nights a week uh, in the area for a really long time Um, and I met a lot of people that way and uh, producers and band members and you know learned all the venues and rehearsal spaces and all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely, yeah, I wanted my first EP done, which I recorded in Wenatchee uh, with my friend Michael Carlos. And then um, I took it with me and that was my, my goal was to to start building, you know, a future a career in, in music when I came to Seattle. Well, there used to be such a tradition of playing in coffee houses. Like that seemed like such a, you know, 50s and 60s thing. Right. And, you know, especially, you know, singer with their guitar. Uh, what what was the reality of that when you came to Seattle? Were there really many venues like that that either had like an open mic or you could just go up there with your guitar? Yeah, for sure. And uh, the thing about joining Songwriters in Seattle at the time was that um, they hosted their own events. And so they would host open mics at local cafes um, where I would meet lots of new people and other musicians and um where I met my first friend, Jessica Lynn, who's a, a country artist who's also in the Seattle area, um, who's very, very good. And we sort of, like, would book shows and then have each other on, on uh, the lineup. And we helped each other out early on. Um, I, it's hard to believe that was, you know, over 10 years ago. That's crazy um, to wow. think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I found lots of shows on my own, just um, and you know bars and stuff too. And um, but yeah, cafes for sure, open mics, that's way to go. Um, what are the, some of the venues you remember? I'm I'm kind of curious which places in Seattle still you know have open right. mics. Right, uh, there was like West that. Seattle actually. There was um, C and P Coffee House. Um, there was oh gosh, I mean. There was the Green Bean in Greenwood, which I think is no longer open. Um, there was, oh gosh, uh, you know, I can't remember a whole lot of cafes off the top of my head. I'd have to think about it for a while or look through my photos <laughs> from my decade. They could be all, all gentrified and turned into condos by now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them, I'm sure a lot of them don't or at least aren't the same ownership anymore if they're not completely closed down. So. Well, that's one of the challenges of, you know, your style of music. Like if say you're, you know, an alternative rocker or a grunge rocker, you always knew you wanted to play the crocodile cafe or, you know, one of the, right. the main rock spots, but it doesn't seem like there's as many iconic spots for folk and Americana in Seattle. 
Right. Um, I do love the triple door. Um, that very mm. much um, elevates the the sort of softer folk Americana thing that I do. Um, and it's a listening room. Like, you know, even the chairs are <laughs> all, all directed, toward the, or directed towards the stage so that, you know, it's like a mm-hmm. full experience there with dinner and everything. Um, one of my very favorite mm-hmm. venues. And, and, and um, good lighting. Isn't it nice to have good oh, lighting on the stage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love. Yeah, that's my favorite place to play. Um, but yeah, the other the other venues just sort of um, don't really lend themselves to a softer sound. Um, they're great fun to play, though. I mean, like the Tractor and Connor Byrne, and at one point the High Dive. I'm not sure if the High Dive is still open or not. But um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. all of those places. I yeah, I play I played the Crocodile too. Um, yeah, for sure. All those places. What was that like to do the crocodile? Does it still have that stature of, wow, Nirvana used to play here or Pearl Jam? Did it feel like a rite of passage there? Right. Yeah. I mean, they all, uh, the sunset too. And, um, what was, there was another venue up there that I'm blanking on now, but I think it's not, it's no longer a venue. Um, it was right mm-hmm. across the street from, um, Oh gosh, I'm gonna blank on all these names. But um, <laughs> yeah, they all have a vibe. Um, they all have, you know, it feels special. And I felt, you know, like originally a lot of these places wouldn't book me when I first moved because I didn't know anybody and I wasn't anyone. And um, you know, I had no way to prove that I could get people to come to the shows because I'd never played before there. And uh, you know, so to finally not just to play somewhere iconic, but also because I earned it, you know, at a certain point, mm-hmm. um, definitely a really cool feeling. You mentioned your friend who also did country. That can be tough in Seattle. Like you can go a little south, like down to Puyallup or, you know, on on, on the outskirts of the city. Uh, But the closer you get into the city, you know, it's it's a lot less. So I'm wondering what was the challenge uh, of being a little more country oriented in Seattle? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jessica Lynn, yeah, she's a hustler. She knows what she's doing. She's definitely developed a pretty big uh, following over the years. Um, and you you do have to you know branch out to other the other parts of Washington and the more rural rural areas. Um, you know, like where I grew up and stuff. People listen to a lot more country there, and there's not a huge country um, you know like a country hub in Seattle. Um, so it's definitely challenging from that perspective but if you branch out a bit then you can definitely you know develop a a solid following Mm -hmm. that does seem like a challenge because you know if you're going big in country you know you've got a hub like nashville that's pretty obvious but you know if you want to do it in other parts of the country it's a it's a little hit and miss you know as hit as seattle is and musical there seems to be a little blank space when it comes to country for sure. Well, what are you finding where you live now? You know, in Kingston, which is pretty cool because it's so close to Seattle, you know, across the water, but it's also just, you know, an ocean away. It is a smaller town. Um, And it, and it seems like, you know, out there, it's a little more homegrown. There is a little more folksy attitude. Right. Yeah. I actually, um, I've only lived here for a couple of years. And so, um, 
during that time, you know, it's just been uh, COVID stuff, and so it's been difficult to really know uh, what's around. I haven't I haven't played any venues nearby, um, but I hope to, you know, find out soon <laughs> what what's out there. Right. Now, you also have, have kids, it sounds like. How, how has that changed, yes. you know, your career? Uh, just one one little girl. Um, she's five. Um, uh, I think, you know, in some ways it, it uh, can make a person more focused, you know, like, um, you know, you don't have nearly as much free time as you did before. Um, and so, you know, those times to create and stuff are very uh, precious and productive because it's, it's what you have, and so you make the most of it. Um, and it's inspiring, too. I mean, you know, the overflow of emotions and stuff that, that happens when you have a kid and um, a different type of love to write about. And um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously every parent is exhausted 100% of the time, but it's um, a pretty, I don't know, like a a pretty deep well to draw from, I think, as far as, like, writing and playing and stuff. It always seems like when, like, a famous actress has a kid, they write a children's book, and when a famous uh, singer has a kid, they write a children's album. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> It'd probably be a comedy album because my little girl is absolutely hilarious. She makes me laugh every day. Um, but I haven't ventured into that territory yet. Well, since becoming a mother, how has it just changed your songwriting in general? Because you do write very personal songs, and you seem to draw a lot from your experiences. Sure. Um, yeah, I, um, on Sleeping Giants, Something Good um, was actually, the song Something Good was about my little girl. Um, and uh, it was very, it was a very, very different song musically different song for me um but i was proud of of how it turned out and um and i love to play that one live with the band um especially that key change at the bridge is really fun and different um and it was a challenge for me um because sometimes i write songs that are above my ability at the time and and i sort of grow into them um and that was a song that i had to grow into um and yeah i feel like it can bring really unique uh, changes and sort of shifts, emotional shifts in the writing. Um, but yeah, actually, um, I haven't written a song in a while, though. I just sort of um, shifted back more, t- while I couldn't play shows, shifted back to my roots of visual art, because I'm an artist. Um, in general, I sort of feel like music is just one of the many branches of it. Um, and so I've been doing a lot more drawing these days than playing guitar. Mm-hmm. What do your parents think of your music? They're big fans. Um, they would come out to a show whenever they were able. They still live in, in uh, central Washington in, in Waterville, um, that's where I grew up. And um, But, yeah, they come, they come out to Seattle whenever I have a big show. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got a lot of support, it sounds like. I do, yeah. I'm lucky that way. Well, now that you're you're kind of shifting, you know, your mother now, you have you know a lot of work under your belt. Do you find that you're almost becoming a mentor to young up and coming artists? And you know, are you taking a more leadership role in the music scene? 
I mean, I, I would love to to be that. I don't know if I am, but <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. I mean, there isn't anything that feels better, you know, than, than uh, helping and lifting up other people who are, you know, in your vicinity. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would love to step into that role if it presents itself to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, you were mentioning, you know, venues for more folksy singer-songwriters and also, you know, your your more church background. I used to remember uh, more churches used to let singers use their church, not for a service, but just for like a concert. Are, are you finding, yeah. you know, that's a, a viable place, you know, and all, all forms of music, you know, a lot of um, choirs, you know, non-church choirs using it. But um, have you ever thought of just opening more up to, you know, doing shows at churches? Um, actually, I think Fremont Abbey was a church. Like, it was, I mean, an abbey. <laughs> and it's a really cool venue um, that I've played at several times, just beautiful acoustics in the in the main room. And then um, there was one other church that frequently hosted um, concerts. Um, of course, I'm going to blank on the name again. But, um, yeah, that is definitely a thing, um, opening a, a sort of a, a general public space for people to play um and i think that's really cool and yeah i'm open to i'm open to wherever the acoustics are really good <laughs> so if that happens to be a church then you know so be it that's right because a lot of churches have really good acoustics yeah they do and everyone's sitting facing you and and okay, there's yeah. no there's no bar there's no restaurant so there's no clanking glasses or silverware right Definitely, yeah, it could be a more, much more focused listening space. Well, if you had your way in 2022, you know, especially as more venues are reopening, where would you like to perform? Would you like to do like more outdoor festivals, things like that? Um, I I would love to uh, reschedule my Triple Door show <laughs> that, that got canceled in 2020. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm hoping that that is you know, very easily done as soon as, as it's safe for me to do so um, with my little girl. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would, I'm really looking forward to, um, to seeing my band and playing with them again, rehearsing and, um, and uh, being back on that, that beautiful stage. Mm-hmm. Now tell me more about your band. Is that mainly how you perform is with your band or is it just for certain concerts? Um, it is just for certain concerts um sometimes uh well actually the majority of time if i'm invited to a show it's just for a short opening set and they specifically ask for um you know it's for me to be solo or duo um but i do get i do get to book my own special show sometimes with the full band which i love um it's just obviously very different um and i like to you know work out the transitions you know using music rather than having to to be the storyteller um because i'm a pretty introverted person (laughs) normally and um you know being the front man without a band can be it can be a lot of pressure it all falls on you doesn't it yeah yeah nobody to sort of step back behind or you know cover up a bad note (laughs) let let the guitar (laughs) player cover it up or something you know well when you're playing with your full band uh what's the musical lineup like, do you have like a 
a violin in with it or any kind of, you know, more country specific instruments? Yeah, I do. I have, it's usually pretty big actually with the, the bass and the drums and two electric pedal steel, uh, yeah, violin. Um, and it's sort of, you know, people come in and out, you know, I have a bunch of different people, a bunch of different musicians that I know, um, who also all play with the other musicians in my genre. And, um, so we all, you know, swap <laughs> guitarists and drummers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't having a whole band allow you to play just a wider range? I mean, you can do a lot with just a voice and a guitar, but but if if you want to move away from some ballads and you know do some you know more toe tapping stuff and and get a little more upbeat, that's, yeah, that's just fun to do yeah, that. Yeah, as far it's far more challenging to keep a set dynamic uh, as a duo or as solo than it is to play with a band for sure. Um, there's a whole vibe that can come. I mean, and like you know instruments like the pedal steel are so emotional and, and the piano. Um, and stringed instruments that really can elevate a song and, you know, punch those emotional moments. Um, not that there aren't any when you're solo, but it's a lot harder to sort of um, create that atmosphere by myself than it is with a full band. Mm-hmm. Well, when you've had breaks in between playing with the band, what's it like uh, to get back together with them? Like, do you have to, you know, kind of get back up to speed or do you guys just instantly, you know, fall back where you were when you last played together? Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> the guys that I play with are so immensely talented that I bet that it would be me struggling through my own songs rather than them if we were to step, step on stage tonight. Like, they would, they would instantly be able to pull it together for me um and so uh it's definitely we just like hammer out the song whenever we get to get back together for a rehearsal we just start playing the songs and you know every once in a while there's a hiccup here or there and we we talk through it but for the most part i mean there's there's such a high level of um professionalism that i'm never concerned about the way that a show will go are you an emmy lou harris fan Oh yeah, for sure. She's she's amazing. I saw her so at is... um, at uh, Brandy Carlisle's Gorge show in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. Oh, nice. Yeah, she opened for Brandy at the Gorge. Well, Gorge. what do you think of Brandy? Because she's um she's a Washington State, you know, native, right. and boy, she's she's done so much this past year with her book and. You know, so much new awareness of just, you know, her telling more of her full story. Yeah, um, I mean, she is the number one uh, influence for me, actually, and was the catalyst sort of for me making my first album and moving to Seattle because I had been a fan of hers for a few years, and then I saw her live for the first time in Spokane. And I was like, I mean, I was just blown away, completely blown away. And I decided then right then that I had to try and like and you know live my life the way that she was living hers and I made my first EP and went to as many shows of hers as I could and and actually I am listening to her book uh on on audible right now maybe like 75% of the way through um super inspiring and funny and um you know everything 
that I hoped that she would be. <laughs> you know, my sister was reading that book. She was telling me about it. In in the book, does she share some of the inspirations for her songs? Yeah, she does, um, which is really cool, you know, because some of her songs, I mean, they're very emotional, but I, I don't always understand exactly what she's talking about. And um, for her to, to really go in depth about what they were about and about the general, you know, emotional state she was in at that point in her life, um, all those songs make way more sense. It's very cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Which Brandy Carlisle song do you connect with the most? Oh man, that's uh that's a tough one. I I mean, you know, everybody everybody knows the story, um, which is still such an incredible song. Um the the very first song that I ever heard from her was Have You Ever. Um and so I think probably that song just because you know it it sort of um in a butterfly effect way kind of you know had me end up where i am in my life now because i was so inspired listening to her um so i guess i'd go with Mm -hmm. the very first song of hers that i heard and it would be that one Mm -hmm. what would you do if she called you up this afternoon and asked you to be her opening act for her tour Uh, I'd probably drop my phone <laughs> and be in complete <laughs> shock. Um, I did play for her once <clears throat> at her charity show um, in at the Triple Door. Uh, this would have been ten years ago. Um, and wow! She sang my guitar guitar for me, and um, it was very random. It was it was such a lucky chance. Uh, my friend. Dina, who ran a music blog at the time, had had gotten tickets and invited me and and told me they were looking for a few people to open and I submitted my music and they picked me and um, it was surreal, uh, especially you know seeing her right there standing in front of me while I was playing my songs. Um, it's still something that I'll, I'll never forget and. Um, you know, I just try to remember her encouragement whenever I sort of feel down or, you know, uninspired. Just remember that I got to play for her. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to talk with her? Yeah, briefly. Um, and, like, she gave me a hug backstage and signed my guitar and said that her wife loved me. And, um, and actually, her guitar player knew my name already because... I didn't know that I was friends with someone who knew them and he had already told them that they should listen to me. And um, so that was another surreal moment that happened backstage. Um, So the whole thing. It's amazing how, how small the scene can be. You know, when you're first starting out, everything's so intimidating and out of reach. And then you realize how quickly, you know, you're just one or two, degrees of separation from your idols for sure yeah it was definitely a really really strange and amazing experience okay here's one singer i hope you like let me see just based on what you said tell me how far off i am on this. are you an allison krauss fan oh my gosh yeah absolutely i had uh vocal comparisons drawn uh, between her and me with people early on. Um, 
especially my earlier stuff, my voice was even more like breathy and, um, yeah, that was the, um, comparison go to for a while and I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it any day. <laughs> she's won a lot of Grammys. Oh yeah. She's a legend. Bluegrass she's a legend. legend. What's your favorite Allison Krauss song? I mean, it's going to always be when you say nothing at all. I feel like her, her version of that song is like just so perfect in every way. Like her voice, uh, the production, the quality of the song all around is like perfection. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, we're going to wrap up in a little bit. I still have a few more questions, but uh, sure. before we do that, want to make sure people know where to find you online. So uh, what's your website and where's the best place to listen to your music? My website is CaitlinLogan.com. K-A-T-E-L-Y-N-N-E-L-O-G-A-N.com. And then um, I'm everywhere uh, on all digital outlets. Um, Spotify is pretty popular, so probably there. Um, and, yeah, iTunes everywhere, Bandcamp. Um, pretty much you can Google my name and um, you'll find me. So are we going to hear new music from you in 2022? You know, I'm hoping so. Um, I'm I'm gunning for it. Um, you know, it's a little bit unpredictable, but I'm I'm definitely hoping to get at least a single out soon. Didn't I see online you did? I'm not, I wouldn't say a collaboration, but maybe you co-wrote a song with this guy. I think you you just sang it, but I noticed like a co-writing credit. This is from maybe one or two years ago on, uh, maybe I saw it on YouTube. Uh, I have done a lot of collaborations. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure which, <clears throat> which one it might've been. Um, but for sure. Yeah. I've done vocals on other people's songs. Um, oh, here it is. Just found it. It was city of roses. Oh yeah. That, that was a song that I wrote and, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, that Kevin and I wrote together. Um, I had brought a song to him, that song to him, and then um, we rewrote it together. And um, yeah, I, th- I think actually that would have been my last single before everything just the world fell apart. <laughs> um, huh? Yeah, Kevin and I, Kevin Beach, uh, he's the one that I've done the past few <clears throat> albums and singles with. Um, just immensely, immensely talented, uh, multi instrumentalist songwriter uh and actually he sings really really well and has done some some background harmonies for me too on some of my songs i saw that on Bandcamp. that, that that's where i listened to it Bandcamp. yeah yeah i have a lot of stuff up there <clears throat> excuse me uh, okay so well that's kind of fun to to discover something like that do you do you have a lot of fans who you know, pester you saying, you know, come on, it's it's been a little too long since your last album. Right. Um, yeah, that did happen often. I think people <clears throat> are, you know, understanding of <laughs> the current circumstances, and so I haven't felt a lot of pressure. Um, it, and it, not that it's bad pressure, it's not. Um, but I haven't felt any pressure for a while. Uh, yeah, and like I said, just sort of um, reaching back to my artist, visual arts roots for the time being. Um, but 
yeah, still wanting to put out new music. Mm-hmm. I saw on Northern Sky, I think that was the one where you pointed out that you had a hand in producing it, and that was sort of a milestone for you. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first time that I um, reached out to other musicians on my own and, um, you know, talked to them about different ideas and um and it sort of was pieced together like a puzzle because uh, some of the musicians recorded their parts in other studios um, and weren't actually in the room with me. And so it was very collaborative and like uh, long distance. And um, Kevin was still involved in recording some of that for me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was sort of my first um, like stepping out on my own just to, you know, try something different and, and to to grow in new ways and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, so what's it like to work with you as a producer? Because you, you said you're, you're a little more laid back, but when you go into producer mode, do you get more assertive? Um, you know, I, I don't think that I do. I, I, I always go into, and I, and I hope that the producers I've worked with would say this, that I was very open um, to different ideas. Um, and, you know, hearing, I, I want to hear what other people hear when they listen uh, to a song of mine. And I, want, I also want the best performance. And sometimes um, people might get nervous or they may not necessarily like, you know, what ideas I've offered. Not, not that that matters in terms of my general vision for things, but um, it matters in the, in the sense of, like, uh, you know, wanting the most emotional, most um, like in tune performance, recording performance from them. And so if they're, you know, if they're really sold on their own idea for something, then I want to embrace as much of that uh, as I can. And also, you know, I'm going to, in my style, you know, I'm going to have like a very specific sound and I don't necessarily want to just have my songs be derivatives. Um, I want them to be unique and, and that's a big part of why I try to bring other people in is because it sh- it shifts the direction of a song um, based on what they hear because everybody's unique and they're going to have different ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really like to, to run with, you know, other people's ideas. Um, and so mm-hmm. I don't necessarily get more assertive, only, only to remind them to please record this part <laughs> and send it to me. Well, musicians are kind of like children, not in that they're <laughs> yeah. immature, but in that children respond differently to direction. Like one child may naturally be self-sufficient and very independent and not need a lot of direction, or another child might want everything spelled out. You know, it's like a, right. a parent can't use the same parenting style on each child because they're so unique. For sure. Do you find right. each musician kind of needs a different approach to get the best out of them? Yeah, for sure. I can see that. Um, we definitely, <clears throat> I think it's true of a lot of things too. Um, not necessarily just music, but yeah, having, you know, knowing people's personalities and um, doing my best to, to give them the best direction that I can. And sometimes, you know, it's just like a complete free for all. It's like, I have no idea what direction this song should go. And uh, I'm, you know, putting my full trust in you to come up with something cool because I have no idea. Um, and I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes a playground, an open playground like that is really inspiring for some people and sometimes it's really daunting. Um, so I've definitely had to 
narrow things down uh, for some and let others run free for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, since you have multiple disciplines as an artist, what is the visual art side of you? How does that inform your music? Um, well, I actually am really into um, this video game called Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2. And it's a, if you've never played it or know nothing about it, it's basically uh, a Western and it's uh, set in the late 1800s. Um, and you get to ride around and, you know, be a cowboy and break horses and all this stuff. And uh, it's very, very much my vibe. Um, like I have a, I have a half sleeve tattoo of a cowboy chasing horses from many, many years ago, long before I knew this game existed. And the wrap, the, the wrap around here is that I do my art based on these cowboy characters for the online version of the game. And um, it just sort of all sweeps into that Western country Americana vibe. Um, and so in that way, it's like I never really get away from the cowboy country Western acoustic guitar type thing. Mm -hmm. You know how Grand Theft Auto uses so many pieces of popular songs? Right. Uh, don't, don't you think like, like the video game you mentioned, don't you think more video games should have you know, folk music or, or country or your style? When are we going to see that integration you know, of different styles of music and video games? For sure. I mean, I'm sure some of the indie games do. I haven't really ventured into indie stuff yet, but um, actually Red Dead Redemption does have a really great <clears throat> soundtrack of like Americana and like blues um, through, for the story mode, uh, that is, and uh, really moving, like an impactful emotional story uh, along with, you know, coupled with those songs that are really fantastic. Um, and absolutely, yeah, I would love to see more of that. Um, It'd be really cool to um, to have some music be on the soundtrack for a video game. Absolutely. And, and for your visual art, uh, what's your medium? Do you draw? Do you paint? Yeah, I um, I have a background in charcoal drawings, um, just because I always really loved um, the very distinct light and dark um, and shading and uh, and people's faces. But I moved to uh, drawing on my iPad and Procreate, um, you know, which has its its benefits and its downfalls. It was a little bit slower for me in the beginning because I had to figure out how to use a program and <clears throat> uh, navigate all the many, many different options. Um, but I think I sort of settled into my style, um, which is really cool. and. And people like it, and and uh, that's as much as you can ask for is um, a little bit of a little bit of money and some support from people who like what you do. Mm -hmm. Would you ever draw one of your album covers? You know, I have been asked that before, and I I hadn't considered it only because I wanted whenever I do an album, I want to involve as many people as I can because I want to utilize their artistry and also it's a much further reach like if somebody you know if I do the drawing there's not that one extra person to say hey check out this album because I did the, the cover art for it um, but uh, very much a real possibility uh, in the future for me to do my own cover art 
You know who Stevie Nicks is, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> See, here I'm getting <laughs> old enough where I'm shocked, you know, when I hear a 20-year-old who doesn't know who Stevie Nicks is or the Beatles. <laughs> or, right. So I kind of have to ask now, you know. But um, I remember when I saw her in concert, this will date me, way, way, way back. And I got the program, you know, the concert program. And I was so charmed because in it she includes some of her original art. Oh, wow. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And it kind of matched her whole style of how she sang and dressed. It's just, it did seem like an extension of her singing art. Yeah. Yeah, Rumors is like one of the greatest albums ever. Oh, my goodness. And, yes, Stevie, what a great songwriter, you know, with Fleetwood Mac and even, you know, on her solo stuff. Right. Absolutely, yeah. I'm a big fan. All right. Well, final three questions, and this is the most obvious one. I'm going to let you be the ambassador for your hometown, the the very... um, Lovely town of Waterville, which I re- truly do like. It's, you know, it's normally like, you know, if you're driving, you know, from Seattle out, out east, you know, you, you pass through it. But for those who say, well, you know what, I don't want to just pass through it. I want to stop here, maybe go to a diner, check out a store. Where would you recommend someone go? Uh, I'd say you'd have to take a drive past the Nifty Theater. Um, as far as I know, it's still closed down. So unfortunately you can't take a walkthrough, but I performed there with my band when someone, um, had renewed it, um, way, way back. And, um, it's just such a fantastic piece of the town's history. And it's even without a walkthrough on the inside, like just looking at it from the outside, it's just so incredible. Um, and it still has that that very old timey vibe um, from you know the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, it's just very cool to see. You know, now that real estate is getting so expensive in places like Seattle, and since COVID, so many more people are working remotely. You know, it's allowing people to move and still keep their jobs. How would it feel if if a lot of hipster Seattleites moved to Waterville, do you think it would just ruin the town? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it would, I mean, it would maybe revitalize some things. I mean, maybe somebody would take up restoring um, the Nifty again. Um, you know, turning it into a legitimate concert venue in between Spokane and Seattle, you know, because there are not a lot of bigger venues between here and there, you know, like in a lot easier to go on tours, uh, you know, in in the center of the U S you know, like around Nashville and stuff and further South just because there's so many big cities, right. All in a row. But like on the West coast, you know, it's like from here to, to California, you know, you have a 12 hour drive before you get anywhere that has bigger venues, you know, um, and so, yeah, I think probably having some artists and musicians move to Waterville would um, sort of revitalize the, mm-hmm. the um, music and art scene. And would the locals be welcoming to them? I think so, yeah. I think it'd be pretty cool. 
Excellent. <laughs> oh, and so <laughs> is there a really cool diner in town that's, you know, a, a non-Denny's, you know, mom and pop, just, you know, simple cafe that's fun to hang out at? Um, there used to be the Blue Rooster, and, um, you know, it's been it's been a really long time uh, since I went home even, uh, three or four years, I think, um, just because I hadn't gone home for a while before COVID hit, and then I just didn't go back. Um, so I'm not sure if anything new actually has popped up or not. Okay. Well, next time you go, it'll be up to you to – Give everyone here in Seattle an update. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> okay. Number two, <laughs> uh, what is the newest song you've been working on? Uh, you know, I actually haven't picked up my guitar in a while. And so any any new song that has yet to be birthed is in bits and pieces uh, in riffs that I like and one or two lines here and there. So there's not – not a full concept in development currently. And how long does it take you to make a song when, when you sit down, whether you do the lyrics first or play the music on your guitar? Uh, how long does it generally take to, from start to finish? Uh, you know, it can vary quite a bit because um, some songs I feel like uh, I, I hold on to pieces of them for many, many years before they're fully developed. And... Um, others I'll sit down and finish them in 10 or 15 minutes uh, so it varies quite a bit um, although I do tend to finish them more quickly when I work with Kevin because <laughs> he's he's such sure. a productive prolific uh, musician and writer and he's like here's exactly where that song should go next and um, you know so things move much more quickly than when I'm working alone nice by the way what's your dog's name my dog is Ace. He is a rat terrier. <laughs> well, say hi to, to Ace. Um, I will do that. That. Didn't, that didn't count as your last question. Okay, last question. <laughs> right. And this is fun to ask because I don't get to ask this all the time to people. But now, now that you have a kid, you know, we always think that, you know, people, you know, it's that nature or nurture. Like, are you born liking music are you born artistic or do you learn it can you tell like if if your daughter already has an artistic kind of natural ability or are you just trying to nurture that and play her music or show her art you know how, how are you introducing art and music to your daughter right i just i let her participate for sure whatever I'm doing that she finds interesting. Um, I encourage that for sure. And she does, um, she does love painting. Um, and so I do think that there is some, some of that there. And I do think that people will go in the direction they're encouraged. Um, there can be natural inclinations for things. And um, if you encourage them, people will stick with them, you know, because everybody wants, wants their thing. Um, and so I, I will try to encourage as many things as I can for her and whatever she's naturally interested in. And, for example, she's really interested in, like, snakes and lizards and frogs and that sort of thing. And she wants to watch these little documentaries about them. And um, it's really precious. And I'll absolutely encourage that. Um, and she tells me she wants to be a firefighter, and I'll encourage that, too. And 
uh, it's actually helpful when she's not wanting to do schoolwork. She'll be like, you can't be a firefighter unless you finish your school. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I want to encourage as, as much as far as her interests go, I will, you know, let her lead the way with that and just try to be encouraging. Well, you know, people, you know, they'll have their child take like piano lessons growing up and, and the child will go, oh, you know, they kind of grumble and kind of complain. Yet years later, when they're adults, they say, I'm so glad you pushed me into that because now I have this, you know, skill or an appreciation. So do you think sometimes, and there's a lot of debate, like how far should you push someone into music if they don't want to? But at the same time, as a parent, you want to at least expose them enough so they can make up their own mind? Sure. You know, I don't think that there is going to be any amount of... Uh, pushing that I could do on my girl over certain things because she has a will of iron and <laughs> isn't going to do anything that uh, she doesn't want to do. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think that that is necessarily going to be a thing uh, for me because she will absolutely do what she wants to and not do what she doesn't want to. When you were growing up, was there something where maybe you weren't totally enthusiastic but looking back, you're glad you were nudged, whether it was joining the church choir or, you know, taking an instrument when you were in school. Was it just something that you remember that they nudged you into that afterwards you were really happy you were exposed to that? Yeah, I think um, it has helped because I, uh, you know, I do good with one-on-one -on -one social interactions or like maybe a couple people. But as soon as you start getting into groups, like I struggle with social stuff and I think Anybody who encouraged me uh, to play live um, mm -hmm. was a huge, you know, benefit to me because my very introverted tendencies would have shied away from that, and I would I would have missed out on a lot of a lot of things if I had listened to social anxiety and not done, you know, some. I would never have experienced things like you know playing a show for Brandy and stuff if I had listened to my anxiety and never stepped foot on stage. Mm-hmm. And what's the uh, just biggest surprise you've had of something daring or public you've been able to do that you never thought you could do, like a big concert or meeting Brandy Carlisle? You know, have you ever looked back yeah. at any of those things and thought, wow, I really did that? Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, meeting Brandy for sure. Um, I, I also for a couple of years sang um, harmony vocals for Peter Bradley Adams whenever he'd come to, to Seattle and Portland. Um, and he was someone that I had loved since I was a teenager. And it was pretty surreal um, for him to come into town. And I was invited randomly to play, to open for him. And he actually listened to my music and invited me to sing with him for his performances. And um, that really was like, it just blew my mind um, that something like that could happen. Um, and so definitely this was really inspiring to sort of like ask for anything. Like there's literally nothing to lose. So what if they say no, like you should definitely just do it. And it's sort of like um, savings, you know, like things to have in your back pocket, like that, you know, it had its opportunities at the time, but it's also been in my back pocket, you know, and now, here I am talking to you and, you know, talking about Sleeping Giants. And, um, you know, that was something that 
I invested in a long time ago that still has, you know, something come along much, much later. Um, <laughs> you have to, you have to oh, unclip someone, it, honey. So, someone's hearing, <laughs> hearing mommy. <laughs> yep. Well, I'll give yeah. you the last word here. Uh, really enjoyed hearing all this, but I would just like you, you know, to close with you, you know, telling everyone, um, you know, what's your favorite thing right now about having created this body of music that you have? Uh, what's my favorite thing right now? Yeah, or just, you oh, know, sorry, what, what, what's your, what's your favorite thing? your favorite feeling knowing that you've created this body of music that you've recorded, you know, just share just what's, what that's like, you know, you know, from Waterville to dreaming about being a singer and now right. having really substantial records under your belt. What does that feel like? Uh, it definitely feels like a, a big accomplishment. You know, it's like uh, something to hold on to, something to remember. Um, Something to be encouraged by when, you know, things feel slow or, um, you know, you feel discouraged or down in any way. <clears throat> and uh, and it was something that I really wanted to do. You know, it was it's not just that it's a really cool album, but like that I wanted to make one and I made it happen. Um, and that that I can make things happen that seem impossible at the time. Um, and that other people, I think probably one of the most surprising things because I tend to be a pessimist <laughs> is that I had so many people and I continue to have so many people who encourage me and want to, you know, be part of the process. And that, that's a huge honor when these immensely talented people want to come alongside me and be part of whatever I'm doing. Um, like there's not a bigger compliment than that. And um, so that's something to hold on to for sure. And it feels, it feels really good. And if in 10 or 15 years, your daughter comes up to you and says, I want to be a professional singer, what would your advice be to her? Um, let me sing background harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that uh, I benefited a lot from being open to other people's ideas, but it's also good and right to speak up when you disagree with someone about something. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's uh, so cool. You said the background vocals for a split second. I was picturing like a modern day, the Judds. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be so incredible. I would love that so much. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's cool. I bet who knows, you know, this could be a self-fulfilling prophecy and, I'm sure your, your daughter loves hearing her mom sing, and I'm sure you guys will have a lot of musical adventures together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll put it in savings, and uh, <laughs> it'll have its payouts in, in the years to come. Well, her name is Caitlin Logan. She's had many amazing albums, the two most recent, Sleeping Giants and Northern Sky. She's from the beautiful town of Waterville, Washington currently living much closer to Seattle and really appreciate you sharing all this. And I really am looking forward to your next new music. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Today.